Hello and welcome to Three Peas in a Pod, brought to you by the team behind P3 Bulletin and Partnerships Bulletin. I'm the editor, Paul Jarvis, and this episode is sponsored by Real Estate Advisors, JLL. I'm joined today by my deputy, Jonathan Davis. Hi, Paul. In this episode, I'm delighted to be speaking with Lindsay Stowell, Executive Vice President of Public Institutions and Higher Education at JLL, and Rob Weinkoop, Vice President for Administrative Operations at Purdue University. Together, we'll all be discussing the importance of collaboration and working closely together through the life of a contract. So let's get to it. Great. Well, welcome to Three Ps in a Pod, Lindsay. Welcome, Rob. Great to have you both here. Great to be here. Very great to be here this morning. So as the title, this is all about the third P in P3, which is sometimes a bit of an amorphous word, can be a little bit mysterious, but it's one that's really coming to the fore more and more over the last couple of years, particularly with collaboration being a lot of the strong themes. Now, we're going to get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts about how we can really emphasize that. So how can you, as a public authority, really set up a P3 right from the beginning to make sure that you're actually going to get the partnership that you want? I know you guys have worked together over a number of years, so you've got a lot of experience in there. So can you talk a bit about how you do that and what some of the benefits are here? Yeah, sure. I will start and then Rob will definitely weigh in given he's the public sector owner. But I mean, I think the third P in the P3 is probably the most important P for sure, right? It's all about the partnership that you're creating. And I think from the public sector side, this really starts with setting up from the very beginning a clear definition of what the public sector's values are, mission is, goals for the project, making sure they have a very clear understanding of that and that they're able to communicate that through their solicitation to the other side so that the partner knows what kind of partnership they're looking for. Um, and the more definition and clarity that the public sector can provide, the better it is for the private sector because no one can read minds, right? And so the more you can share through pre-marketing, through market sounding, through the solicitation documents in a way of clearly articulating and prioritizing what is important to you, what kind of attributes you're looking for in a partner and in a project, the better. And so this really begins as early as market sounding, having these discussions, getting out there and talking to folks on the other side, and then also making sure you're implementing all of this into the solicitation documents themselves, into the RFQ, into the RFP, into the project agreement, so that it's very clear what the goals and objectives are. Yeah, I'd add just a little bit to that, Lindsay, and I think this just backs up what you say, I think, from the public sector perspective is try to know your business and try to know the problem that you're solving just as good as you possibly can. Um, because what you're really talking about in, in any project, whether it's a public-private partnership or design build or whatever it happens to be, but there's risk associated with that. And if you're looking for a partner from the private sector, well, they want to understand that risk because that helps them put together a project that meets the needs that you're looking to solve and it helps them deliver. And so the more you understand what the problem is you're trying to solve, what your business is, what the risk associated with that is, you know, that starts the beginning of a transparent partnership and it, it helps you guys work together to really be successful through the entirety of the process and the project itself. One of the other things I was thinking about too, Robin, you can definitely speak to this, is that the more of these projects that you do 
the more you learn from them, right? There's so many yeah. lessons learned from going through a P3 project. And so as you get into your second or your third P3, you're bringing all those lessons learned into the next procurement to make sure you continue to set it up for success and learn from those mistakes and get the partnership right in the ways that meet your objectives. Yeah. And how have other public sector entities, whether it's higher ed or municipal governments, whatever it happens to be, what have they done and how have they been successful? And so understanding just the past, not just yours and the other projects you've done, but what other folks have done as well and what's been good about them, what hasn't worked. Well, as you mentioned, you know, lessons learned, but also, Rob, you used the phrase right from the beginning. So this all starts with a procurement. And when you've got your outcomes in mind as being you want to have a good partnership, how can you actually, in terms of real inputs into a procurement, how can you make sure you get the outcome that you want? How do you change or what lessons can other authorities take when they're thinking, I want to start my first P3 and I want collaboration? What can they do in the procurement to make sure that they get it? Yeah, I think from our perspective here at Purdue University, I think it's acknowledging and being humble to know you don't know what you don't know. And so you may need some help from an advisor that has been there, understands what it is you're trying to accomplish, understands P3s, and they, that is a great way to help educate yourself through the process, uh, understand who the players are, what are the things that you need to be prepared for as you go through this process and really helps you walk through the process itself, educates you, I mean, to Lindsay's point, gets you up to speed and educates you as you go through the process, understands a little bit about the lessons learned already and gets to know you as well as a customer and what kind of what makes you tick, what are you looking for in terms of an outcome, those kinds of things. I think an advisor up front is a really big and important piece of this as you, as you go through the process. Lindsay, if you want to add to that. Yeah, I, I agree. Obviously, I think I, advisors can be very helpful for the process. I think different advisors may have different ways of approaching engagement and trying to get collaboration and partnership through a procurement. And I know one area that we really, really focus on is just maximizing to the extent possible the level of one-on-one -on -one interaction that you can have in a procurement with each of your teams. And that starts mm -hmm. from the very beginning, again, before there's even a procurement of doing a very robust market sounding, getting out there, talking to people, spend time with folks, you know, learning from them, telling them about the project sharing your goals verbally. Obviously, we have to put them in writing at some point once we get to solicitation documents. But the more conversations you can have early on, the better. And then really, really maximizing it during the procurement to the extent the procurement process allows. So that is obviously through interviews. It's through one-on-one -on -one engagement in negotiation meetings in design charrettes are really important. And so the more you can have of that one-on-one -on -one where you really get to know each other as much as possible and the way that each interacts, the way you negotiate, the way you approach problems, the way you solution together in those engagements can be really helpful. And what we've found recently is actually trying to incorporate that into the scoring of the proposal. So obviously it's a more qualitative score. You'll have your technical proposal score, you'll have your financial score, but trying to account for some partnership collaboration type score in the actual proposal that takes into account the quality of these interactions, the way that the private sector partner is able to understand and internalize your objectives and goals and then turn that around in their proposal with ideas and solutions is really important. And we've done that on several of our more recent projects. And I think our public sector clients have really felt 
that they've benefited from that process because it is that bit of an intangible that you can place on how you're feeling that partnership is throughout that procurement process. Absolutely. And we've seen some of those processes produce outcomes that exceed what the public sector would initially have thought possible. I mean, that's part of the benefits or one of the perceived benefits of getting the private sector in is they're able to bring innovation and things like that. But those conversations aren't always straightforward. Sometimes there's a lot of push and pull negotiations and sometimes frank conversations, particularly in the environment that we're in. So how can the public sector, Rob, kind of prepare for that? And then, Lindsay, what about the private sector too? How can they prepare for those kind of difficult conversations sometimes? Yeah, I think it it goes back to the messages consistent through our conversation, transparency and understanding the risk and getting that risk out on the table. Hey, we've got a great project. And one of the reasons we're looking at this project is because we've had all kinds of problems with maintenance. We've had all kinds of problems with construction. We've had a hard time managing our costs. So you have to lay all of those out as specifically, I think, as you can. And you've got to, I think, be willing to understand and, and be fine with the private sector isn't coming to work with you out of the goodness of their heart. I mean, I hear that a lot. They're not looking to make money. They just want to help us do this. Well, yeah, they do want to help you, but they also in this business to make profit. And that's okay. So be transparent about the challenges that you have. Get everything out on the table to be able to to understand what the risk is and what the reward is and what the opportunity is. And be honest about that. Just be open about it. It's okay. It's It's not the end of the world. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously transparency is key. Trust is key. You know, starting out a process where both sides trust each other and that, you know, understanding that there is perhaps a natural tension between objectives and, you know, the the private sector needs to make a profit. The public sector needs to understand that. I mean, that is part of the business. They need to earn a return on their investment. And so I think an advisor's role is really helping to try to strike that right balance of coming to the table and not asking for completely commercially unreasonable terms. And part of our job is educating our clients on what is reasonable and what is fair in terms of risk allocation. But at the end of the day, we are there to support our public sector clients as well and make sure that they're getting their needs met. So that can be our role as the advisor is helping to broker those discussions and come to a win-win solution, which ultimately is where we need to be with a partnership as both sides are feeling like their needs are being met. I think here at Purdue, I would just add, know what you do well. And at Purdue, as with many higher ed institutions across the country, across the world, we're good at educating our students We're really good at research. We're an R1 university, and we're good at engaging those things with the greater world. Now, that means we have students on campus and researchers on campus, and we have to have housing for those students, but it doesn't mean we're experts at building. We're not. So be okay with that and know that that there are folks out there who do this really, really well, and they can help you with that. And, And kind of know your lane, know what you're good at, and understand how the private sector can help you get better at those things. Could you expand a little bit on that, Rob, and talking about what is the best foot for the private sector to put forward? How can they best kind of demonstrate what a good partnership is from their sides to make sure that they're ticking your boxes? Yeah, that's a great question. I would encourage the private sector when you're going into a solicitation or looking to partner with a higher ed institution in the public sector, know as much as you can about your customer going into it. It's great that you have a great big company and you have 100 Purdue graduate engineers working for you. 
Everybody seems to have those these days, and we're appreciative of that. But know a little bit about us. Have you taken a look at our campus master plan and what our plans are for growth? Have you dug into that even a little deeper? Are we actually following it? Are we doing the things that we said we were going to do in our master plan? If we're not, we may not be a good customer for you. You may not want to to get into that. But are we trying to adhere to the plans that we have, the strategies that we have for growth and for making a bigger impact in the state of Indiana, the United States and the world? And are we doing the things that we said we were going to do? So just know us, know a little bit about us, understand why we're coming to you in the first place at a basic level. And let's start and continue that conversation. Some of the things that I would add, and Rob and I talked about this yesterday, is the private sector can go a long way to read the room and to get to know who's on the other side and to put their team together in a way that matches the personalities on the public sector side of the table, because a lot of it comes down to those one-on-one interactions, as I mentioned. And so being able to get in there and understand the people you're dealing with, the leaders on the public sector side, and then adapting to that and being flexible and having bid team directors and folks on their side who are best matched to be negotiating and partnering with the people on the public sector side is really important. And then obviously bring solutions. Don't just identify problems throughout a process. Come ready with multiple solutions. The clients love that. We understand that these are big problems and complex processes and not everything's going to work, but Those who come with a solution-oriented mindset definitely, I think, rise above in these processes and just having the right expertise at the table. One of the other things that I will mention as well when it comes to how the private sector can best set things up is don't bait and switch with your people. Have the same people there throughout the process. And if that means that there's going to be someone that's taking over after financial close and taking it on for the rest of the way, introduce that person early into the process. Because I think that's something that oftentimes is looked down upon a little bit as, you know, we get to financial close. I've been working with you for a year, year and a half on this process. And all of a sudden you're going away and I had no idea and someone else is stepping in and taking over. So enabling a good transition on the personnel front, I think is really important as well. So we've spoken quite a bit about the run up and the procurement when you join together but when you actually do lock in how does that change the relationship because sometimes we see p3s be a little bit transactional after that point but the benefits can really come from that long-term duration of these projects so how do you prepare for that real operational maintenance and and the delivery phase how does it change the nature of the partnership good question i think just add a little bit and expand upon some of the points that Lindsay just made When you go into these projects, these opportunities, there's a sales team, there's a delivery construction team, and then there's a operations team that stays behind and actually helps you operate the project, whether it's a a services agreement to manage a hotel or or a construction project for a, a residence hall. And I think, again, just to echo what Lindsay said is it's great for us as the customer to understand who those people are, what their job is in this whole project and begin to get to know them early. I would also add too, you mentioned transaction. It's really important for you as the customer to understand what your contract says and what you've agreed to and what you haven't agreed to. 
Because if you don't do that, there's a lot of, well, I, I know we said that, but this is what's really happening. And again, goes again that even goes back to risk, understanding the risk and understanding your project. And so know your contract, know what you agreed to. Your private sector partner certainly will. And so if you both look at it and understand what's in the contract, what you've agreed to, it just makes it easier long term as you go through that process and you work with the operations team that's now on the ground to, to get things done and just to trust one another, to be flexible when you can be flexible. Uh, that's really important to me. I think it's important to know what's in the contract and to manage it as such. I couldn't agree more. And I think what I would say is the only thing we know is that change is inevitable. So you're going to reach financial close. Things are going to change. Problems are going to arise. These are not perfect, smooth processes. No matter how good a contract is, it can't foresee every risk. And so having a good contract is the first starting point. But then having teams on both sides who are set up to monitor that contract and understand what happens and come into problems with, you know, a knowledge and understanding that, you know, this is a long-term partnership, that there are going to be changes, there are going to be challenges, and that we need to have a relationship that's built on trust and mutual respect. And we're going to have to work through those things there, you know, change orders are going to happen. How do we handle them? You know, what's the right way? Can we find, again, that win-win balanced solution to keep the project moving forward? Yeah, again, I think the more you know your contract and what you've signed up for on both sides, the more opportunities you have for flexibility because you understand the levers of the contract and where you can get things done to satisfy both sides of the relationship. It's just it's critical. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken about a number of the different elements of what makes it successful, but sometimes people do have their barriers up and breaking those down is pretty critical to making sure you get that transparency and that flexibility. So in your experiences, what are the best practices that people can actually deploy here? What's your advice to breaking down barriers between sectors? I think the best thing people can do, honestly, is be transparent and open book. I mean, that's the best way to break down those barriers is to say, look, here's where I'm coming from. Here's the data. Here's my perspective. Here's why it matters to me and is important. And both sides being able to do that is critical. If you cannot be transparent and open book, you're just not going to have the trust that's needed to break down barriers. So, I mean, I think it all starts there. I think the public sector needs to go into these projects very well educated on what a P3 is, what it is not, what's reasonable commercially, financially, technically, and really understanding the process and how they can be a good partner as well. So that's really important is just that upfront education. And then again, communication just a lot of regular communication with key folks who are consistent and not changing is always going to be important to any relationship. The final thing I'll say is just emphasizing again, getting out there, doing pre-marketing, starting really, really early with these conversations is the best way to develop long-term relationships. Yeah, I think what we've found here at Purdue as we've gone through this process a number of times is... You obviously want to partner with with folks that you trust. And one of the ways that you can get to that, I think, quicker and, and maybe a little easier is know what you want <laughs> and know what are you trying to accomplish and what are the key drivers for you? Because there are some partners who may not resonate with them. 
And there's no one size fits all for doing a public-private partnership. And so the needs and the wants and, and the, the goals that you have may line up and probably do line up with a few of the potential partners out there. And so I think the more you understand what it is you're looking for, I think the better chance you have of finding a partner that, hey, we can identify with that and we can work with that and we want to work with you guys. And that is all done through the process that Lindsay just laid out about early and often, talk to as many people as you can. I think find an advisor who understands the, these things and can put you in touch with partners before you get into the actual solicitation that understand the process and will potentially be a better fit for you as you go to solicitation. And just a final one, because we've got Dan quite into the weeds of making these partnerships work. But from your perspective, Rob, you've delivered a number of these P3s. And what is the big benefit for you? If there's an authority listening to this going like, I'm kind of on the fence of whether I should do this. It sounds kind of hard work, but what was the big thing for you, your takeaway, why you're passionate about these? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. It allows the university to focus on what they're really good at. And it gives an opportunity to the private sector to be successful and help us deliver on things that they're really good at. So that's the primary thing. I think the additional for us is we have chosen to use our capital for things like keeping our tuition down, keeping costs down for students. And these types of models help with that because money's not free, but if you use someone else's capital to accomplish and solve some of the problems that you have, you can use the capital that you do have to better support your students, to better support your faculty, and to keep costs down and and have top-notch researchers and educators continuing to want to teach and be at a place like Purdue University. And Lindsay, as well, kind of same question for you, but what can a really collaborative P3 bring? In in your experience, you've obviously touched on a number of sectors. At the end of the day, P3s can be an amazing tool to accelerate infrastructure where the traditional public financing way may not be able to do that. And so, I mean, in the case of my most recent projects with Prince George's County Public Schools, I don't think there's anything more meaningful than being able to deliver what will hopefully be 14 schools 20 years earlier than they would have otherwise been able to have been delivered. The impact that can be driven by leveraging private sector financing and expertise in the right way is just incredible. And so it's all a a game of having to work through the issues and solve complex problems. But at the end of the day, finding win-win solutions is really critical and can have a huge impact. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Lindsay. Thank you very much, Rob. That really, really enjoyable deep dive into collaboration. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us.